today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about the impact that the virus and, and the pandemic is having on each and every one of us individually. Now, we've talked about uh, about mental health, and, and of course, there, there's a great deal of concern about mental health issues here. But there's also something called emotional labor, uh, which is being impacted by this. And uh, we had a conversation uh, a couple of months ago, I guess, on the program now with Dr. Jennifer Lapham, who's a professor with the School of Nursing at Ryerson University, and she was talking about the emotional toll on nurses during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's a little snippet of that. The intensity and the perpetual nature of these strong and distressing emotions are really quite overwhelming for nurses, leading to trauma, or what we generally would know as PTSD. And these feelings don't go away at the end of their shift. Uh, and that's just one profession, and it, it, it's bleeding into other professions as well. And uh, many of us who are, are dealing with this, and maybe not dealing with it so well, uh, it's uh, it's an impact that uh, needs to be discussed, I think. And to do that, we're so pleased to welcome to the program Dr. Laura Rees. Uh, Dr. Rees is an Associate Professor of Organizational Behavior at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's, uh, if you could, here. maybe... Maybe by way of definition, I guess, explain to our listeners exactly uh, what we mean when we say emotional labor. Sure, and it's a really good question. And the the interesting thing is that we do it all day, pretty much every day, um, but we often don't recognize that we're doing it. It's basic emotion regulation. So you're trying to display an emotion, uh, nonverbal signals in a moment that seem appropriate to that moment. Um, so, for example, hypothetically, I was just thinking about this and listening to your introduction. Imagine you had a guest on your program that you didn't find interesting at all or wasn't you know, speaking very well or something like this. Immediately, your training, your professionalism would kick in and you would be able to act interested and excited and intrigued to hear what that guest had to say. So that active falsely presenting this in, you know, in excitement and, and interestingness uh, about that guest is an example of emotional labor. So when you smile at a customer and you're not really feeling happy, or, or maybe you are, but you know, you're wanting to present a face to that customer or to that client or to those patients in the case of the nurses, that is very much an act of labor just on the emotional front. We, we do, you're right. We do that on a consistent basis, don't we? Uh, almost, almost, we you know, not, not noticing that we're doing it. I mean, somebody says, hey, Bill, how are you doing today? I mean, I, I'm not going to give them the song and dance, but oh, my, this hurts. and then, I'm fine. You know, kind of smile at them. And, and that's, it's, it's putting up a face, really, isn't it? A mask of sorts, right? Which is yeah. a pretty interesting analogy in these days. Absolutely. So, and and again, this like so many other different things, Doctor. Of course, predates the pandemic. Uh, but explain to us how the pandemic has really kind of exacerbated the stress that it puts on us. You know, it's it's just such an important topic, and really, when I was explaining it to some people recently, I, I realized it's almost a trifecta of sort of the worst possible confluence of events. And if you think about Think about an analogy if we're playing a card game. Say it's a game you know really, really well because we've been doing emotional labor since the day we were born. You know, if somebody gives you a gift, a grandparent or something, you don't like it, you're told smile and say thank you, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine a card game that you know really, really well, but suddenly the rules of that game have changed, which is sort of what's happened to us now. Our basic assumptions of how we interact, what we're supposed to do in a social situation have in many cases been revised or even entirely thrown out the window. We're having to relearn these basic rules of interaction and how emotions play a role in that. So that's the first one. And then second, imagine that you suddenly had to play that card game, not in person, but online, maybe through a software program or some interface that you're not used to. 
So we're also seeing that. Not only have the rules of our interactions changed, but we're also doing them now in these formats that honestly we're just not as evolved to to use as well, right? Interacting via Zoom or Skype or email more. It's just rife for miscommunication and misunderstanding. And third, even sort of physically what we're used to seeing, so those nonverbal cues, that smile when somebody says, how are you doing? We're less able to see that, partly because we're not in person, but also mask wearing. We're hiding half of the face, a really important half, as it turns out, for conveying how we're feeling. So imagine in this card game metaphor that now you're only able to see half the cards that I play. Right? It adds so much confusion, so much misunderstanding, frustration, so much extra, in a sense, work and labor on our parts just to interact in ways that, that used to be not so big a deal, actually. Well, how do we cope with this? I mean, you know, if it's if it's physical you know, problems, physical labor, for instance, uh, you know, if, okay, you get out the Volterra and you relax or you put the heating pad on or, you, you know, whatever you can, and you deal with it in that fashion. You, there's a protocol that we know that we can follow. Uh, but when it's emotional like this and we're dealing with this, I mean, this is, uh, even though, as I say, we probably do this subconsciously an awful lot of the time, uh, everything is, is is magnified, of course, through the pandemic. And, and as is emotional labor, uh, the stress that, that we're putting on ourselves right now uh is, is probably greater than we've uh, many of us felt anyway in early parts of our lives, and and the, the the question I guess that's going on in everybody's heads is what am I supposed to do about this? How do I fix this? It, the pandemic's not going away anytime soon. Exactly right. It's just such a constant and continual struggle for all of us, really. So and and your analogy actually to physical labor is really quite apt because there are a lot of the same physical implications for continual stressful emotional labor, stress, burnout, um, withdrawal, less work engagement, um, lower job satisfaction, turnover, absenteeism, even physical ailments can follow from emotional stress um, from this kind of, of labor activity. So I think really the, the, the main thing is just to recognize it. That is the very first step. We have to recognize that this is having an impact. For organizations, it can be quite difficult because they may not even see what's happening. It's easier for an organization to realize, you know, oh, you've picked up this box and moved it over here. That box has been moved. Someone did that labor. It is harder in many cases for an organization to see, you know, these patients, these clients, these customers, et cetera, uh, have had a good experience. Well, that took a lot more labor emotionally from those employees of mine that I might not be able to see so easily. So so just recognizing that it's out there, I think, is a, is a really big first step. And then giving people that opportunity in the same way that you might put your feet up if you're tired physically after a day of work to give people emotional space uh, and support structures and systems to recover. We used to do that by going to a break room or having a conversation around a water cooler or maybe a happy hour or something like this. A lot of those opportunities are now gone. So how can we think about creative ways to build in those opportunities literally to rest and recover emotionally so that we can go back the next day and do that labor again? I was going to say that's the release valve that most of us probably have used, and I know I certainly have over the years, is, is physical, you know, contact with people. I mean, you know, have a conversation, mm-hmm. walk out of the room, go have a conversation with somebody in the hall, do anything about this. Uh, and, and that's been taken away from us now. I mean, it, this kind of goes back to, the, the I, I guess, one of the core concerns here is that we're, we are social beings. We like to be around other people. Uh, we like to be able to talk about other things. Uh, and right now, we, you know, we, we just can't do that. And Zoom just doesn't cut it. I'm sorry, because the personal thing is gone there when, you, when you're doing that sort of thing. 
Right. And it turns out Zoom actually requires a lot of emotional labor because we're having to yeah. convey these emotions and read them in a, in a medium that's just not designed to be as rich as in person. It just cannot convey the same sort of information or in, in a turn give us the opportunity to express that in ways that can be as easily understood. You're absolutely right. It's, it's hard. There's no easy answer. Uh, and, and all of the traditional ways that we've had seem to have been kind of taken away from us. It's, a, it's a, one of the best and most frustrating things about being human is that these people who cause us such frustration that require this emotional labor from us are actually the very people we need also to recover from that and, and be well. We play head games with ourselves, though, to, to try to rationalize this. Uh, you know, when this whole thing started, almost a year ago now, about the middle of March, the first lockdown here in, in Ontario anyway, uh, and, and I'm one of those people. I've been working from home since then and, and continue to now with what we're doing. And, and at first, it's almost, it's like, hey, this is kind of neat. You know, this is, you know, I don't have to drive to work. I'm saving money. You know, I just walk across the hall from, you know, after my shower and I, I'm at work already. This is really cool. But after a while, you realize... <laughs> You realize this is tedious. It's 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 different, and it does wear on you. Although at first you don't realize it is, and you you're paying an emotional price for this too. The fact that you know you're isolated, it's different. I'm using technology, and I'm not a tech guy to begin with. Uh, that I, I I was not comfortable with, probably still I'm not comfortable with, but I'm I'm forced to do this. And and you're right. I mean, somebody asks, "Well, how's it going?" Oh, it's going great. That's fabulous. You know, that's that mask again that you put up. But when you do that, a doctor. Are you doing it to convince that person, or are you doing it to convince yourself? Right. Well, you know, it's both, actually. And and one of the, the great things about emotions and, and cognition and the strong link that we have between thinking and feeling and, and even our body reactions is that they're all really tightly linked. So sometimes it can even help to tell yourself. I was teaching my students this morning about a term called emotional reappraisal, and it's basically reframing uh, an emotion that you feel in a more helpful or positive light. So, you know, I'm not anxious about this presentation I have to give. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. it can actually have a pretty powerful effect. It's it's kind of a neat trick of cognitive processing that we can manipulate ourselves in this way. But but you're right. It's, it is really a struggle. We're having to find new ways to make these connections to get this recovery um, that we that we're just not so accustomed. We're learning, but we're just not that accustomed to doing. So what are the coping mechanisms? Because I mean, you guys have talked about this an awful lot. I mean, uh, should I be doing yoga? I mean, people that are in this circumstance, you, you've got to get that release. I mean, we know how to get the physical release. Uh, there's certain things that we do and probably have done an awful lot of the time to try to get that. Uh, but when it's an emotional uh, labor that we're dealing with right now, uh, how do you step back from that? Because it's, it's, it's within you. Right. And, and you're right. We're sort of taught and trained these physical ways to recover, you know, stretch or do yoga or exercise. A lot of those can have positive emotional effects as well. But we're, we're often, in a sense, actually trained to ignore our emotions. Oh, they're not mm -hmm. professional. Um, you know, keep your emotions out of it or this type of thing. So, again, the, the first step is really just to recognize. Uh, I had a professor actually once who used to say, give yourself permission to be human. Don't try to ignore it or say it's not real, um, but become more attuned to what you're feeling and experiencing. And that is the first step to knowing how to manage that and, and um, manipulate that in some cases or, or just recognize that in a way that can, that can help you rather than trying to push it away or ignore it. Recognize that we're having these really difficult feelings. And the more we can put for ourselves and our organizations can help us, these structures in place to give us the help that we all need, you know, if it's if it's talking to someone, if it's having a social hour, 
um, if it's medical support, and I'm not a medical professional, these are really serious issues, um, closely linked to mental health that, you know, people should take very seriously and, and get all the help that they need, can help us um, on a daily basis. And even things that you suggested, you know, resting, yoga, um, doing things that, that make us happy can be huge releases um, for, for emotional well-being. And one last thing that I'll say is, is again, a lot of this is framing. So the more we can think, a lot of the reason that we're upset during the pandemic is I think that we're, we're experiencing a strong lack of control and autonomy. We feel that things are out of our out of our control. We can't really kind of manage as much of our world as we're used to. And that's a really disturbing feeling for most of us. So the, the, even the small ways that you can increase how much control and autonomy you feel in your own life can actually really improve your well-being. It's going to take an awful lot of self-analysis, though, to try to, to, to deal with this, though, because as you say, I mean, if unchecked, uh, it manifests itself in, in so many different ways within our bodies. I mean, in other words, you know, the, the emotional labor you're talking about and the ramifications of that can, can have physical ramifications. I mean, you know, hey, you, somebody keeps getting headaches or upset stomach every day or something, and you just, maybe it's not physical. It's, you, you, are, you are experiencing that, but it may well be caused by this emotional labor and the toll that it's taking on you. Right. And again, I just go back to that recognition. We really don't have as, as much experience and practice and authority as I think that we should in, in terms of recognizing when these issues are happening. And then second, understanding what we can do to help them and make them better. Well, and, and for, for those of us that still have family, I mean, we can't, we can't, you know, get together with the groups that we usually wanted to because of social distancing. But do we, is it a buddy system here where we have to look out for each other within the household and, and, and look for the signs and say maybe we should have a discussion about that? There is a lot behind that. And again, I, I'm not a, a medical professional or mental health professional, so I, I don't want to, to speak out of turn. And I would encourage mm-hmm. people to reach out anytime they feel that they need help. But But there is... Uh, a lot of work that shows when we feel control, when we feel autonomy, when we feel that we're helping people, that can actually reframe uh, a lot of our own experiences to help us in return. It's kind of one of the great things about uh, generalized reciprocity and, and being a, a good human and trying to help other people. That it can actually have really nice uh, effects for ourselves as well. But I would say, you know, we all have to do what we can, both for ourselves and for other people. You know, I really feel for the story that that you played at the very beginning of of nurses and the incredible amounts of emotional labor that they're doing. I think even saying a thank you, I I see what work you're doing and all the effort that is put into that. I can't understand fully the toll that that's taking, but we really appreciate what you're doing is is not enough, um, but is a good first step. It is. Uh, it is an important discussion to have, and I'm, I'm so glad you had some time for us today, Doctor, to, uh, to bring this to everybody's attention and talk about it. And we may well have identified a problem that a lot of people are dealing with and really couldn't put a handle to, and, and hopefully this will help them uh, get in that direction. Thanks so much for this today. Thanks for having me very much. Good luck. Thank you. I hope you're having a good day. You too, Doctor. Dr. Laura Reese uh, from uh, Queen's University, of course. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.